You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, good morning, good morning. We are going to hit the city of David this week. We've been in a five-week series talking about the city of David, and there were two cities in the Old Testament, and uh, one of them was the city where David was born, the town of Bethlehem, and so it was affectionately known as the city of David because that was their claim to fame, that he was born in Bethlehem, and so they wanted to be able to come. They wanted to be able to say, hey, we're a little town, but this is our big claim to fame. King David, this ultimate king, was born right here in our town. And then there was another city of David when King David went up to Jerusalem and he conquered the fortress of Zion. They affectionately then named that the city of David because that's where he set up his capital. His palace was there. He ruled from there. Ultimately, the temple would later after David's life be built up on the temple mount there in Jerusalem. And so that is affectionately also known in the Bible as the city of David. And here we are in Elk Grove, which is just south of Sacramento. And it's a pretty good picture because Bethlehem is to Jerusalem, what Elk Grove is to Sacramento. And you can kind of picture that here, but God does some amazing things. We are looking forward to a future city of David. We'll talk about that a little bit today. But what I want you to do, if you have your Bible and if you have your outline, take that out because God's just got some things that maybe he wants to put in your mind that you want to put down on paper in front of you. And we're looking at the theme verse for this series. It comes from Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 14, it says, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is to come. And now we want everything here to be an enduring city. We want things to last. What you get for Christmas this year, you want to last till next year. You don't want it to break right away. You you want uh, your clothing to last. You want your relationships to last. Sometimes you want your kids to grow up and get out. Other times you don't want them to grow up at all. You want them to stay at home for a long time. And and you just don't want relationships to last. But life, it doesn't work that way, does it? It's why we like to throw back. It's why we like to reminisce. It's why we like to think back to better times. And, uh, And it's just a beautiful thing. Why do we remember We remember because we were created for eternity, but life keeps changing. And in the same way, we like to throw back and remember things in the past. We were created on the inside for eternity. We were created to live forever in relationship with God. And that's a beautiful thing. But the problem is life changes, life morphs, and and it's how we adapt to change is how well I think we do life. Uh, And in the spirit of throwing things back, uh, I told my boys this week, I said, boys, uh, this is the week. They said, what do you mean? I said, uh, guys, now my boys are between 17 and 20 years old right now, okay? But I told them, this is the week. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, I have a little bit of a cold, so this is the week that you guys are going to read the scripture for our passage today that we'll be looking at from the Christmas story. Uh, it just happens to be a few years ago. Will you please turn your attention to the screen? And Joshua Flake, and they are going to recite for us uh, the Christmas story from Luke 2. Would you welcome them this evening? Bethlehem. He went there to register with Mary, who was 
who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. The when the time came for the baby to be born, she gave birth to her first son and wrapped him in cloth, placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born unto you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, glorifying and praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone back up into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger. When they had seen this, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen and done, which were just as they had been told. I had to give them a heads up that that was happening today. Um, they were between like three and six, and it was, uh, it was just awesome for them to be able to do that, the church we served uh, down in Southern California. And sometimes you want your kids just to stay. Like, can't you just stay that age? Can't you just be small and cute and just you know, stay that age? And other times, while they were that age, I couldn't wait for them to grow up to do some of the things that we're doing now. And isn't that like life? Sometimes you want things to stay the same. Other times you can't wait. You're just, I'm waiting for what's going to happen, but it's not yet. But I also want things to stay the same. Then we look back and we over-reminisce, don't we? But we want to look at what God did during Christmas to find out what was his purpose, what was his mission. You know, um, Christmas cards are beautiful. I love when uh, people send a Christmas card. In fact, uh, I read, sit down and read like everybody's Christmas card. And I love the photo ones. I love the ones that somebody puts, like they type up a letter of what they did during the year. And I just love that. And I'll sit down and read every single one. If you mail it here to the church or if you send it to our house, I'll sit down and read every one. I love it because it's like a little snapshot of your kingdom. You know what I mean? Like, here's the people in my family, or here's the new addition, or here's somebody who's not here this year, and we miss them. And, and you kind of morph through what's going on in your year, and every year you can kind of see this little, it's like a little snap photo, a little snapshot of your kingdom, of your family. And, and I love reading those things. It's a glimpse. It just shows what the changes are. It shows over time what the growth is, doesn't it? When you look back at your old Christmas card that you sent out compared to maybe this year and the photo of family then and the photo of family now, it's just very different. We notice those things. Life changes. But what we have to realize is that it's all about God's kingdom. 
In our house, we maybe have this little kingdom. Maybe you're a single and you're saying, hey, I'm just trying to find that next life stage step, or I'm, I'm just trying to be successful in my career, and, and you're focused on yourself. Maybe you're a married person and you're saying, hey, this, the, you know, it's just about me and this other person that I'm married to, and we're just trying to figure out the future, and, and we're trying to project way ahead to say how much money will we need for retirement, and you're just thinking along those lines. Maybe for others of you, you've got kids in the house, and you're just saying, oh, my whole life is revolving around them. Like, I have this crazy pace in my life. Like I, I don't really have much bandwidth because it's all about them or it's all about providing for them. And, and maybe for you, you've got kids who are grown and gone and maybe you have a spouse or you've lost a spouse and that brings its whole dynamic of changes in life, doesn't it? And, and you're looking at that and at whatever point you are, you're just saying, these things are changing. But we so often in this world, we want to build our kingdom and keep it together and keep it the same. But life doesn't work that way. Life brings with it death as a part of the fall that happened in the garden. We're born under that. And God, as we looked last week, brought a, a big plan to solve that problem for us, to solve it so that we have life after death in presence with him. And next week, we're going to look at what does the Bible say about near-death experiences and life after death. We're going to look at what the Bible actually says that as we look on the 27th. But right now, we're looking at what is life all about, and it's all about God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, Jesus said this to his disciples, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So God, we want your kingdom to come and be done on earth as it already, always, forever will be done in heaven. We want that to come to earth and we want some of the permanence of what we experience there, but God, we want your will to be done. But what happens for us? We start thinking, no, it's got to be about my will. God, I want you to, to do what I want to do on earth. I want you to come through to make the picture of my life look like what I want my life to look like. And in any change in life, at any juncture in life, we need to come back and say, no, God, it's your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that your kingdom is the one that will come. Well, the kingdom that was long awaited for the Jewish people came through the Messiah. When the Messiah showed up, when Jesus Christ came to earth, he brought the kingdom of God. And when he began to teach, he taught all about the kingdom of God. And Jesus was with us, God with us, Emmanuel, he was present with us. And we now participate with the kingdom of God. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, you got to remember, Jesus came and brought the kingdom of God, but then he died, was buried in the grave, rose to new life, and he ascended back into heaven. He's out, but he's commissioned you and I to still carry out the kingdom of God, let God's will that's done in heaven, God's kingdom that's in heaven, be enacted on the earth through his church, through people like you and me, as God's Holy Spirit works in us, we be, then become his ambassadors, ambassadors of hope to people who are discouraged, ambassadors of salvation to those who need a savior and those who will recognize that they do. We become participants in God's kingdom. You remember Mary. She was a teenager, betrothed to be married to this guy, and she, the angel shows up and says, God's Messiah, God's going to become flesh. He's going to come through you. She says, how's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. And they said, God's going to do that. God's going to basically allow you to become pregnant. And it'll be the God-man, the only one who's ever been born. And he's going to come through you. And she hears this plan. It does not look like her picture. 
of what her life was going to look like. To her, it was, I'm going to get married to this guy. We'll start setting up life. We'll probably just live up in Nazareth forever. That's not what God's plan was in her life. And so she participated. When the will of God broke into her picture of her life, she said, this is what she said when the angel showed up and said, this is what God would like to do. She said, may it be done unto me as you have said. In other words, okay, God, I'm going to rearrange my plan for my life and get on board with what you're doing here because she understood the principle that it's all about the kingdom of God. It's not about our earthly little kingdom. Joseph was betrothed to Mary, and she gets pregnant. And he's like, listen, this is, I know it wasn't me, but she literally, under Old Testament law, could be taken out in the street and stoned to death. Could you imagine that? She gets pregnant, and Joseph gets embarrassed, and maybe he reacts in anger. He could literally have her drug out in the street and killed. People throw rocks on her until she's dead. But he was a righteous man. He said, no, I don't understand this. But maybe I'll just divorce her. I'll do a plan. How do, I, how do I do this? I'll just kind of divorce her quietly so she doesn't get killed. And the angel showed up to Joseph and said, Joseph, what's happening here, I am doing. And what you need to do is you need to get your plan on board with my plan because, Joseph, it's all about my kingdom, the kingdom of God. And Joseph then willingly takes this teenager pregnant with all the misperceptions, takes her as his wife. Joseph got on board with it. Magi, a couple years later, wise men from the east saw God doing something amazing in the heavens, and they trekked across the world to see what is God doing, what there's something going on here, and they brought with themselves gifts, and the reason that you think there's three wise men is because the scripture says that they brought three gifts, and so they assume it's one for one, and so they, but it could have been a whole bunch of guys, but these wise searchers saw what God was doing in the heaven, and they came and brought gifts, including just themselves, their worship, and they found the child. They began to worship the child. The shepherds, the night of Jesus' birth, are announced to by the angels, and they run, and they find out that there is hope, even for downcast people like them, and they are so excited because Christ has come to world to the world, and it's all about his kingdom, and they come, and they bow down, and they worship the Christ child. Well, today I want to talk about three ways that you and I can participate with the kingdom of God in your life and in mine. In the spirit of Christmas cards, what I'd like to do today is I'd like to kind of unpack the Sun Grove family Christmas card from the last year. Kind of tell where we've been and what we've been doing. And we're going to look at the Christmas story and you're going to find out today that there are three things that, that God decided to do when it came to coming and living and carrying out his kingdom on earth. And those same three things you can take with you that will make your experience next year more in line with the kingdom of God than potentially what you've experienced this year to date. First of all, you got to decide to keep it simple. God did this. He decided, I'm going to just keep it simple. Jesus Christ didn't become the agenda of other people. They were always trying to like exalt them as king or they're trying to say, hey, you can create bread out of almost nothing and so you could feed us. And so they were always seeking his hand, like do a miracle for us. He was seeking like what God could do for them, the handout. They were always looking for that. And God's like, no, my face is up here. I want you to seek who I am. He was not about their agenda. People will always bring what is most important to them to your day. They will never bring what's most important to you to your day, right? 
So you've got to decide ahead of time what's going to be my agenda for the day. In the same way, God is saying it's about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not simply about my provision, my hand. It's about my face. It's who I am. It's what I've come to do. It's how I create a way out of your sin problem. And he stayed on mission. So you decide to keep it simple. As we look back at the end of last year, we said, you know what, this year in our local outreach, we're going to go with four main outreaches. And we're going to keep it simple. We're not just going to make an ask every time there's a need for an ask. What we're going to do is we're going to be intentional about what we do. And so we said we're going to do a winter sanctuary, kind of homeless outreach, and did a lot with the food bank. We said we'll do fireworks and sell fireworks and send youth to camp for scholarships. We said we'll do a school initiative with Franklin Elementary, and then we will do the Share a Soul shoe drive. And it will just be uh, an awesome thing. And it's just been neat this year that we were very particular about it. Jesus kept his mission Simple. And what that means is that you've got to do this in your life. You've got to ask yourself ahead of time, how am I going to simplify for next year? As I look at 2016, am I going to run along being crazy, being driven by the pace of the culture? Is my to-do list and my accomplishments going to determine my value or can value be determined another way? We've got to look at it. Jesus kept it simple. So what do we do? We give up things we love to say yes to things we love even more. Did you get that picture? If we're going to be intentional about life, we've got to say no to some things that we really do love. But we've got to say no to those things so we can actually say yes to things that we love even more. It's one of the first principles in financial management, right? Say no to some things that you love so you can say yes to some things that you love even more instead of just spending as soon as you get that you save up and you can spend on something that you would want even more. But we find in the church that it's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. And so maybe this Christmas for you, it's simplifying the number of gifts that you give to your kids. Maybe for you this year, it's being intentional about what social outings to attend, how busy to fill up this next week. Does that determine your value, or are you going to take time to slow down and think and rest? Do you know this, that the recent stat came out that said 84% of Americans never slow down from entertainment or distraction to rest or to think. And they mean deeply think, to reflect, to slow down. And maybe for you, as you look at your pace, that you've been on this year, you have to ask, have I observed rest in the last year of my life? Am I running on fumes? Am I running on burnout? It may be saying no to something you love and saying yes to kingdom work in a financial way this year. It might be looking ahead at next year and saying, I've got to slow down my pace and stop being kid-driven, where I'm not raising a kid with the intention of saying, my whole schedule runs around you, my whole life runs around you, because that little welcome guest in your house is going to move out someday. And if they've always learned that it's all about them, then they've learned my kingdom come, my will be done on earth, and I hope in heaven too. But that's not what Jesus said and how we ought to pray, right? He kept it simple. It was about his kingdom. So you and I might need to say no to the overburden of activities of a child-centered world. Sometimes, let me tell you this, sometimes a nap is one of the most godly things you can do. I mean, think about that. Honestly, are you observing Sabbath, margin, rest in your life? You're probably a better person if you take a nap. And there are certain times that you, some of us, like me, sometimes if you're going to take a nap, you might feel guilty. 
because I know all, a lot of things that need to get done. But sometimes a nap is actually the most godly thing you can do. You're taking care of yourself. You're taking care of your relationships with people around you. When you do something like that, your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth. Now listen, that will go in me. Have God, your will and your kingdom happen in me and now through me. How's that going to happen next year in your life? The way it happens is you decide to keep it simple. The beautiful thing is you could sit down and actually chart out, how am I going to keep it simple next year? When this ask comes up, when this opportunity comes up, when the kids want to play every sport on the planet, when all these things want to happen, I think those are good opportunities for my kids. It doesn't, what am I going to do to be on mission so that my kids grow up knowing the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of self? Second, decide to be there. Decide to be there. In the very real account of God at Christmas, we see that God of that universe, he became flesh in a very humble way. He, who is the Lord of all creation, came and dwelt among the created in a very humble form of a child. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because Jesus Christ, he understood his presence was essential. Think about it. He, he couldn't hire this away. He couldn't delegate this to somebody else. He, he couldn't just say, you know what? Um, I, he said, I love you. I needed, I wanted to be there. I've got to be there. It had to be God become flesh. And so God of the universe who made the rules said, I will become flesh and I will live among people. I will live a perfect life. And then I will give my life for the sins of all who would turn to me. And he took God's righteous wrath against himself on the cross. And he paid for your sin and my sin on that cross and he canceled out. He fulfilled the requirements of the Old Testament law. Canceled it, finished it, and created a new covenant which was through his blood. And so our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ is what guarantees us salvation. But here's a beautiful picture. He didn't delegate that away. He didn't say somebody else do it. And he didn't become inconsistent with himself. The God who in heaven said, if you sin, one of the results or consequences of sin is death. He could have said, that's it. I gave you the rules. He, and he didn't change his rules. He didn't say, oh, I'll change the rule because I really love you all. He is both loving, but listen, he is just. And his love and justice were met in the coming of Christ that he decided to be there with us, like us, for us. It's a beautiful Thing. His presence was essential. Luke chapter 5, verse 29 says this. And then Levi, who if you know the Bible, understand that would also be the name Matthew. Then Matthew held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now here's what I want you to do today. I want you to very, very snooty, very judgmental. I want you to say tax collectors and sinners to your neighbor. Ready? Go ahead and do that. Come on, look at your neighbor and say tax collectors and sinners. Yes, yes. You would, you would be great Pharisees if you were to do that, right? The person sitting next to you probably works for the IRS, I just want to say. But here's what the Pharisees thought. We're righteous. 
we're the righteous ones, and why would you ever think beyond us? It was the kingdom of me, according to the requirements of the Old Testament law, and they leveraged the law to serve their own gain. Jesus answered this. He said, he answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He kept it simple, and then he decided to be there. Not just send an email or a message or a billboard. He decided to come in flesh and be there and come to the very people who would say, if we're just being honest with yourself, I just need a savior. I need rescue from me. If we're just going to be honest in this room, we've got to understand that he came there to be with us and he came to reach the people who are just sinful. And if you and I are honest in this room, that's us. I need a savior from me. I need a savior. And he said, I've come to work on your sin problem. But he decided to be there. Uh, here at the church, we said, well, let's make this year of the volunteer. We've got these banners up on the wall over there. And you can see that it was year of the volunteer. Let me give you a stat. We've got 86 volunteers who work in our children's department, either weekly, monthly, or as a regular substitute. Will you give it up for people who serve in our children's ministry? It's awesome. That's a lot more than even a year ago. And here's another kind of just interesting thing. It's interesting. Among those group of people, the majority of those people who are serving in that way do not have a child who benefits from the ministry. They're not in it. Isn't that awesome? That they're saying, we're willing to come and set the date so that parents can be in here and hear the hope of Jesus Christ. Not only that, we're coming to work with children and set a spiritual foundation in their life so deep that they will never recover. That's what they're doing. And so many people volunteer and help in so many different ways. We set the date so that those others could hear the good news of Jesus. You've heard in life that half of life, I've heard this statement, it's kind of weird to me, but it says half of life is just showing up. You've heard that? Kind of a little pithy statement. I don't really know what it means. <laughs> Except this, that I know that when we show up, we end up growing up, don't we? If you want to grow up, you got to start by showing up. And so you show up to grow up. And so you got to be there. For some of you, that means this next year, you're going you're gonna to go to the funeral. You're going to go to the wedding. It means you're going to be there when your friend's got a hospital visit. It means you're going to be there when things get challenging. You're, you're going to take the email. You're going to take the phone call. You want to be there because you decided... Like Jesus, I'm going to be there when people walk through a dark valley. Not only that, we decided as a church, we got to try to be there where people already are. So we went out to the Pray to Lights and ran a float through the Pray to Lights, and Matt and the band played and did music and just provided a presence there and at the Western Festival and a lot of other places here uh, this last year. We made it possible, we tried to be there for nursing moms to stay connected to the worship service by doing a nursing mom's room, and then we did, you might notice, we, we did speakers now in the hallways and the restrooms, uh, which is great because you can stay connected if you got to go, um, although <laughs> really funny situation happened, a teenage girl came in here like a week ago, and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared, because Matt Linga was just starting doing his mic check. Rehearsal, and she's like, I heard a man in the woman's restroom. I said, did it say, uh, I want to do a Christ child through you? No. <laughs> you respond, here I am, Lord, send me, right? 
But we tried to be there in some of those different ways. We tried to be there and give a DVD that we could take with us to the Super Bowl parties where we go and we could put that in and it would just show some testimonies that would spark spiritual conversations this year at the places where we already go. With all the activity that already happens at a Super Bowl party, we thought maybe we could bring the kingdom of God into an environment like that. We tried to be there for anyone unable to attend a Sunday morning service at Sun Grove Church, and we started a 6 p.m. evening service. And let me tell you, just year to date at that service alone, and it's, and it's not highly attended, it doesn't look like this, 37 people have made first-time decisions for Christ at that service year to date. Will you give it up for that? That's awesome. God's using it. We hired Mike Millette and his family as a high school, uh, full-time high school youth pastor here. And I don't know if you guys know Mike, but he's awesome. And that's been a great thing. Uh, we've been there for marriages through doing the love and respect class. Been there to help people walk wisely financially through financial peace. Uh, we've been there uh, to give parents helpful resources with helpful parenting classes. Uh, we've been there for, in recovery for those who have hurts and habits and hang-ups. Through Celebrate Recovery on Monday night, we've been there for ladies to build a sisterhood and to experience mentoring. We've trained not only our volunteers who work with our children's ministry, but we said it's the kingdom of God. So we opened up the Connect the Dots conference to train children's workers and volunteers from all over the city to come and get trained with professional mentoring and training in their area of children's ministry and enrich them uh, through the Connect the Dots conference. We did two alive worship concerts on the patio. Because we believe that somebody's going to be at Starbucks or somebody's going to be in the extended stay and they're going to come outside because we want to be where people already are, not just hide inside. A beautiful thing. We added a new venue through our Spanish service at 9 a.m. It is a Sun Grove service. They preached last week's message this week in Spanish up there. It's a full-on Sun Grove service. If you've got a Spanish friend or someone who, uh, maybe you speak Spanish, maybe you're bilingual and you'd like to just join that fellowship, check it out. Also, when we added uh, at this hour, when we have need, we've got uh, interpretation for hearing impaired. We want to be there. We want to be there for people. We want to be there with our culture. So not only do you decide to keep it simple like Christ did, and not only do you decide to be there like Jesus did as we remember him at Christmas, but third, we decide to give with delight. Decide to give with delight. Mark 10, 45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to buy you and I back. He didn't come to, come to just as an adult and say, Worship me, I'm God, and if you don't, I'm going to just light you all up, lightning's going to strike, whatever, right? No, he came as a little infant. He came, and he came to serve. He came to solve our sin problem, and he came to give his life as a ransom because you and I need rescue from ourselves. He came for us. And so at Sun Grove Church, we say we'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. And to reach people who don't know Christ, we got to do some things that nobody's doing to reach people nobody's reaching, right? If all the churches are trying to reach the same kind of people, then that's ridiculous because we have so much diversity, so much different styles and types of people in our world. But to do things, to reach people no one's reaching, we got to do some things that nobody is doing. And it's a beautiful thing. We believe that it's better to give than receive. And that's become a value at our church. And I'm so proud of you because I see it all the time. 
Just opportunity for people to say, I want to send kids to camp. I want to do what I can. Uh, you remember last year that in April when they had that huge earthquake in Nepal, we just said, hey, would you consider giving a day's wage? And you gave over $13,000 in one weekend just to reach people in Nepal in the furthest out villages. And I'm telling you, Matt Lingo and I in February, we're going to India at the northern end of the, that area. And we're going to be able to see firsthand just how the ministries that we give toward is able to make a difference there. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. So thank you. Last night, we had over 40 families who have special needs kids be able to drop their family off here and the parents go out and have a date night or go Christmas shopping. We've got this thing called respite night. And so many of you come and serve at respite night. And it's such a beautiful thing. Over 40 families take advantage of that. We've got people in here, including there's one guy on the stage who's been singing and doing some stuff today. They came to Sun Grove Church because of the respite ministry. This is what a huge is. We believe it's better to give and receive. It's, it's just a free opportunity. We open our church up for memorial services for free. And God has financially sustained that ministry. It's unheard of. You go to other places, they say, are you a member? Then they say, well, if you want this, 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 it's going to cost you this, this, and this. We just believe it's better to be there for people and it's better to give with delight. Rayleigh's did their corporate summit here for free. Starbucks does their corporate and area staff trainings here for free. They don't sponsor me. This is tea. I got it this morning. I have a cold. Um, they should. They should sponsor me. Saying, we believe it's better to give and receive. We did AP testing for Laguna Creek High School. They all come in here and do all their testing among other schools that do testing. We do uh, SAT tutoring. We had exercise classes in here. We do uh, cheerleading, graduations for Unitech and other schools. Again, we want to bring value to our culture without compromising our value or our God. We don't want to compromise our identity as believers. We're not going to compromise our God. But we are going to understand that like our God, it is better to give than to receive. And we're going to bring value to our culture in the culture in which we live, leveraging what we have here for that end. We're a small part of a larger network called the Church at Elk Grove. And for the last three years, I've led the Church at Elk Grove just organizationally with senior pastors in our area. And one of the things that we do is we do what's called the winter sanctuary. And so we bring in homeless people in here during the cold winter nights. We've got two weeks coming up in January, and you can certainly help us serve with that. We let them take a shower where they can get warm water and just feel like a human being. We didn't tear all those showers out because we wanted to leverage even the former Gold's Gym showers for the purpose of ministry. And so they come in here and another church will feed them on certain weeks and we house them. Then we can go feed at another church in town as their housing and we just take care of people. We've given to Heart, which is an Elk Grove uh, movement to provide the Meadows House, which is a transitional home for homeless families. And in just two years, numerous people have been linked up with permanent housing, jobs, medical, dental, and psych services in only two years. And the model of the city working with the churches is being duplicated by Citrus Heights and Rancho Cordova. It's just an awesome thing in our area. This year, you have given over $6,000 in scholarships for kids to go to Hume Lake. You've given almost $5,000 in scholarship for kids to go to winter camp. And it's just a beautiful thing to see us just saying, hey, what can we do to get kids who otherwise couldn't afford it to a place where they can rest, slow down, stop, and think? 
It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We sent 93 kids to Hume Lake. We sent 120 kids to winter camp. And the fireworks that we did, which many of you bought fireworks, sold fireworks, helped with that whole movement, it really provides for the buses, so it lowers the cost for families for both camps, and it provides additional scholarships for kids to be able to go to camp. So thank you so much for doing that in the second quarter of the year. And now I want to give you an update real quick on the shoe drive while you watch this video. In 2004, Sungrove Church began donating and fitting new shoes to benefit students in need in Elk Grove Unified School District. During the following 10 years, over 5,500 students received a pair of new shoes. To celebrate the 10-year anniversary, in 2015, Sungrove took a huge step in faith and launched a new campaign called Share a Soul, New Shoes for Students in Need, and set a goal of 2,000 new pairs of shoes. This was a 40% increase over 2014. It is with great humility and joy that I tell you that over 2,200 pairs of new shoes were donated and all 1,900 students requesting new shoes at 14 schools received them. This was only possible through God's blessing and partnering with Elk Grove Unified School District and their families, Elk Grove and South Sacramento Starbucks, Walmart, Elk Grove Libraries, Fire Departments and Volunteers and Police Service, First Baptist Journey, Living Water Churches, and finally a huge thank you to the families at Sun Grove Church. On behalf of the Share Soul campaign, I would like to thank all of you for your hard work. Thank you so much. I mean, just unbelievable, this, uh, this audacious goal, and God has been meeting it through us and the city and the organizations locally. To pro just, we just believe that through practical means, it opens the door to share the love of Jesus with people. So you could try to preach truth, but without meeting the practical need, we believe there's two things. You meet a practical need and you bring love. And that's what opens the door for someone to give you an audience to hear about the love of Jesus, that there's a hope that's beyond them. They say, why would you do something like this? Because we believe it's all about the kingdom of God. We believe that he gave generously to us, and so we want to give generously. We believe it's better to give than receive it. At one of the fittings that we were at, um, I noticed a mom came in and her kids were getting fit and I looked at the mom's shoes and they were thrashed. They were just beat up old Converse shoes and I looked at the size of her feet and I looked in the bins and I went to the mom and said, um, what size are your feet? And she said, well, I think they're this size. So well, you can go over to that bin and you can pick out a new pair of shoes for yourself. And she was like, really? We have a picture here. Jen's actually fitting the mom. There's a mom with her kids, fitting the mom with those shoes. So we not only put shoes on kids, but even on a mom. It was an awesome thing. Sarah said it so well. She, one of the, the little girls that she fit shoes on, um, she said, well, how do these feel? And the girl goes, they feel warm. This is awesome, right? I mean, that's just what we do it for. We just believe it's better to give than receive. This year at the Christmas party is the first time we offered that event on two different nights. And we love that so many of you were able to celebrate one night and bring your friends and enjoy that and then serve another night. And it was just a beautiful thing. My neighbors next door came. They're just awesome. And it was so much fun to share in that event uh, with them. They were sold out both nights, which means we were able to give and love on more than 900 plus family and guests that you invited. And to accomplish this outreach, though, it took over 200 volunteers. Will you give it up for anybody who volunteered on that? whole weekend 
I mean, people made desserts, and they set up, and they sold tickets, and they greeted, and they cared for kids, and they used their musical gifts, or they served behind the scenes, and they, they served desserts, they cleaned up. I mean, all those things so that Sun Grove Church could share the real meaning of Christmas with our community. And because of you this year, families were ministered to, and recovery happened, and youth were loved on, and classes held, and people healed, and marriages worked on, and financial peace found, ladies discovered their identity and value, global relief, people with special needs were ministered to, and overall, this ministry happened both globally and locally, just in great ways because of you. So thank you for being a congregation that <laughs> believes it's better to give than receive. And let me tell you, we work hard but we play and laugh harder. Like we take our mission seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And nothing's more fun than serving with people that you love. And as we look ahead to what God would want us to do next year, we want again say, how do you and I, knowing it's all about God's kingdom, in your personal life and in your church, how do we decide to keep it simple like Jesus did? How do we decide to be there like Jesus did? Stop being so distracted and looking at all our devices and stuff, but be there and be present. We decide to give with delight. Find that the antidote to greed is generosity. And there's freedom in it, a lot of freedom in that. It's a beautiful thing. Why? Some people are like, why? Why, why, do, we do, why do we do all this? Why do we do all this effort? Why do we do stuff? Why do we care about India? Why do we care about the mission field? Why do we care about local things here? Why do we do all this effort? And the answer is because we believe that the ancient city of David gives us a glimpse into a future city of David, a new Jerusalem, the time when you and I are in heaven with Christ. We are, we are there. We are with him. It's a beautiful time. We believe that the ancient city of David reveals salvation is through Jesus Christ alone as God's free gift to you. We can absolutely trust his coming back. Why do we do it? We believe he's coming back. He's not done. He's not done being with us. He's coming back for us. We go to be with him. It's a beautiful thing. We can trust his word and the prophecies in scripture about his return, about a new Jerusalem, about a kingdom that will never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Revelation chapter 21, near the very end of the Bible says this. John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is now among the who? The people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. We believe that the ancient city of David reveals a future city that is eternal. That all that permanence that you and I long for has an end. But the deception of our world and the deception of the enemy is to make this life, this life right now, all about you. But Jesus reveals to us in his coming at Christmas that it's about God's kingdom and God's will being done in us and through us in a beautiful way. Listen, there are two things that you can no longer do in the city of David, that new Jerusalem. In heaven, there are two things you cannot do any longer that you can do right now. First one is this. You cannot reach lost people. 
in the new city of David, the new Jerusalem. That's this window right now. The time to reach people who are without hope is right now. The time to bring the good news of Jesus like the angels did to shepherds is right now. And it's only this window that we can do that because there it's said and done. Next week, we're going to look at near-death experiences. Next week, we're going to look at what does the Bible say about what happens after you and I die. But see, at that time, you can't undo what's been done here. And we're going to look at that. But there are two things you can't do. One is you can't reach lost people anymore in the New Jerusalem. The second is you can't store up treasure for heaven. God gives us this window now to pay it forward, to be able to love on people, to be able to bring the love of Christ, to give generously of your time, your treasure, your talents, to be able to leverage this life for his kingdom, not just simply for our own. And when you do that, there's an inheritance for you and I that will never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Jesus kept it simple. He decided to be there for you. And he decided to give generously so that available to all would be salvation. But he's a gentleman. He won't force it on you. And so he says, will you receive my free gift? I'm offering it, but you have to take the gift. We just bow your heads, close your eyes just for a minute. The reason I'm asking you to do that is I just want you to think about your life. This is one of those moments that I'm asking you to rest. I'm asking you to slow down. I'm asking you to think because most people don't do that anymore, do we? So sometimes by closing our eyes and bowing our heads, it just makes us think of our life. And if today you're realizing maybe for the first time that Jesus died for your sin, that eternal life can be had for you, that your sins can be washed away. You can be forgiven of all your sin. But it's a free gift because of what Jesus did that you have to receive. And the way that you do that is you do it just by saying, God, I'm just going to give you me. I receive your free gift. And so if that's you today, if you feel that, that motion in your heart, that movement on the inside, it's simply God drawing you to surrender in a humble way to his great gift. And if that's you today, if you'd like to receive that, then pray a prayer like this. Maybe you just repeat it right where you're sitting, right after me. Jesus, today I give myself to you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried, that you rose to new life, that you're God. I ask you to come in and make me a new creation. Give me a new heart. Wash away all my sin, because today, Jesus, I give you me. If you prayed that prayer, raise your hand now. Just raise your hand straight up anywhere in the room. If that's today the day you prayed that, just raise your hand. Will you hold it up for me? It's awesome right here. I've got some friends who want to give you some information just about that decision you made. It helps you understand it a little more beyond this opportunity. But there's one here, Steve, another one on, up front, anywhere else around the room. I just want your hand up so we can see you and find you. Just give you some information that you can look at, and that's awesome. God, I want to just come before you now and pray. There are so many of us in this room, Lord. We are sorry for the ways we've made it about us. And so, God, right now, as your people, we repent. We turn back toward making it about you. So, God, give us wisdom that this next year we would change the pace and the direction of our lives so that it's about your kingdom, your will be done on earth. And since we're on earth, that means in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people say it with a loud amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.